Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. Would you take your Bibles, open them to the book of Hebrews chapter 2, Hebrews chapter 2, and also 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 2 and 1 Corinthians chapter 6 in a Bible study that I've entitled, A Little Lower Than the Angels. And it's here in Hebrews chapter 2 that we receive the first of five warnings, and the warning is not to drift away. To be very careful not to drift away, not to neglect our salvation, but to steady on in obedience, doing what we hear. Notice verse 1 of chapter 2, just to catch up where we've been. Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and it did, and every transgression and disobedience received a just ward, a reward, and it did. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? God also bearing witness, both with signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. How are we going to escape if we choose to neglect our salvation, if we choose to not do what we hear, if we choose to willingly present ourselves to drift away from the essence of the truth and the newness of our life, what's going to happen to us? We need to take the more earnest heed, he says, both to this generation of Jewish Christians in the first century and now us 2,000 years plus later. The word is still true for us. Now pick up in verse 5 where we left off. It says, For he has not put the world to come, of which we speak, in subjection to angels. But one testified in a certain place, saying, and that one, by the way, is David. This is quoting Psalm 8. What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you take care of him? You made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor. And set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we do not yet see things put under him. So now we come to a greater purpose, a greater reason to not drift away, to persevere, to stay strong. It's much more than just our personal obedience. It's much more than just us taking heed and taking more earnest heed to do what we hear. Now, I know that when we're reading the Bible and we're going through the Bible together, there are many times where we'll take the Bible and make it very personal in application, which we should. The Bible was written to speak directly to your heart and mind. And yet, we can't forget that there's a greater plan and purpose of God on the earth today. It's not just about your personal life and your personal obedience, but that your personal life and your obedience is following a greater, grander purpose. 
the holiness and righteousness of God being displayed to a rebellious world. And he says, this world, verse 5, is not put in subjection to angels. It's not God's will for angels to rule the world. Never at any time have they, and never at any time will they. No, as a matter of fact, the Bible teaches that you and I, as believers, will judge the world and judge angels. Imagine that. Imagine that, those of you that got mad at your kids this week, you're going to judge angels. Imagine that, those of you that got frustrated and got mad at work, you're going to judge angels. Those of you that stumbled or tripped and fell this week spiritually, God in Jesus Christ is going to use you to both judge the world and judge angels. Imagine the responsibility. Yeah, let me show you something. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We, great, we get greater insight on this truth in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 1 there. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 1. Paul writes to the church in Corinth, a church not unlike ours. Dare any of you, having a matter against another, go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world would be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge even the smallest matters? Verse 3, do you not know that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? If then you have judgments concerning things pertaining to this life, do you appoint those who are least esteemed by the church to judge? I say this to your shame. Is it so that there's not even one wise man among you, not even one, who will be able to judge between his brethren? But brother goes to law against brother, and that before unbelievers, verse 7. Now, therefore, it's already an utter failure for you that you go to law against one another. Why do you not rather accept wrong? Why do you not rather let yourselves be defrauded? No. You yourselves do wrong and defraud, and you do these things to your brethren. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. There were many, many problems in the church in Corinth, a lot of sinful things going on, which opened them up to all sorts of bad decisions. And one of the bad decisions that they made was to begin to sue one another in the court system, the, the pagan court system, the court system that did not reflect the character traits of Jesus Christ or the morality of God through his word. They were not settling their personal issues within the church, but instead were bypassing the leadership and suing one another in the courts. And Paul's going, why are you doing this? Why aren't you settling your issues with one another? That is God's heart and God's will for us to settle our personal matters as believers with one another. Now, let me say this before we move on. This section in 1 Corinthians 6 is not a prohibition against using the court system. That's not his point. 
There are certainly times when an attorney is needed, where you need to go to court, and maybe even in the course of secular business, that's the only place where it's going to be solved. That, that's not what he's referring to here. What he's referring to here is here we are in the church. God has saved us. We're born again. We're a part of a new family, and we're having our interpersonal issues. And instead of solving our interpersonal issues among one another, instead of submitting to the leadership of the church, you're leaving and you're just going out into the pagan court system and suing one another. You see, the Bible, Jesus himself gave us instruction on how to solve problems among each other. He's given us very clear steps on how to solve problems with other believers. You can find it in the middle section of Matthew chapter 18. And here's the very first step. The very first step I paraphrase. If you have a problem with a brother or sister in Christ, go ahead and post that problem on Facebook for every... No, no, actually, that's not what he says at all. Except that's what happens these days. Facebook and Twitter and all these things have become the place to spread gossip and rumor and destroy a brother. No, what Jesus said is if you have a problem with a brother or sister, go to him, you and him alone and share the matter with them. And if they hear you, you know what the good news is? You have won your brother. And I have seen over the years that most of the interpersonal issues that we have with one another I'm just going to throw a number out there. 90, 95% of the issues are solved with that one step. A lot of times they didn't know they offended you. They didn't know what happened. They, they might have even known what they, and they did offend you, and they asked for your forgiveness, and then you forgive, and it's over. But the church in Corinth, they decided, no, we're not going to do that. We're just going to take things in our own hands. And, and as he says, you're going to court before the unrighteous. They were, here are this, this church body. Here are these men and women that are professing to be born again, professing to walk in the Spirit, to be filled with God's love. And instead of obeying the word of God, the very words of Jesus Christ, they're arguing fighting and trying to get justice in front of unbelievers, which doesn't make for a very good evangelism in a very dark world. And one of the reasons he gives that we can solve our issues within the church is because you're going to judge the world. You're going to be entrusted with judging the world. And secondly, he says, you're also in verse 3 going to judge angels. Now, which angels will you judge? I believe that we are going to judge those angels that fell or those angels that sinned. We often refer to them as demons, fallen angels. Jot it down if you're taking notes. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 4 says, For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into the chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. Once again in Jude, it's only one chapter in verse 6. Jude verse 6 says, and the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Now, as believers in Christ, you and I are in a very unique position to be able to make a righteous judgment. Now, this kind of judgment isn't hypercritical, hyperjudgment. This is a righteous judgment. The ability to tell right from wrong. The ability to solve a problem among us. You and I are in a very unique position. Believers are. 
And let me give you three reasons why you're very equipped to be able to help people resolve issues within the body of Christ. Number one, you have been given God's word. The answer to every issue in this room today, to every issue to the folks listening live on the radio right now and watching online, the answer to every problem can be found in God's word. The Bible says that we've been given all things pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. And you've been given God's word. And so because you've been given God's word, the answer to the problem is here. Secondly, not only do you have God's word, but as a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in your life to help you understand the Bible. You don't have to figure it out on your own. You, you don't have to read and go, oh, I don't know what it means. The Holy Spirit will give you understanding, will even lead you to the very place where you need to go in order to help a person resolve their issues. You have the Word of God. You have the Holy Spirit. And the third one is often overlooked. The third reason why you and I are in a unique position is because God lives in us, we are able to humble ourselves and die to ourselves in order to help another brother we actually can esteem others more highly than ourselves and actually make a righteous decision based on the holiness and righteousness of God, not our own selfishness. You see, when you use the word of God and dwell by the Holy Spirit and you die to yourself, you become one of the best tools in the hand of God to help others and to help others come to the conclusion that God wants them to come to. The most untrained believer in legal matters who is in the word, who is in prayer, and is living an obedient life to the word, filled with the Holy Spirit, is able to cast a righteous judgment based on God's word. Notice back in Hebrews chapter 2, the world has not been placed under the authority of angels according to verse 5. As dynamic creatures as they are, the world has not been placed in subjection to the angels. Instead, what does he do? He quotes Psalm 8 to give us insight of how the world is to be ruled, how God is going to fulfill his purpose and plan for the world. And he says in verse 6, what is man that you're mindful of him? Or the son of man, that you take care of him. You made him a little lower than the angels. So in the creative order, men are a little lower than the angels, and yet men and women are going to rule and reign with Jesus Christ, judging the world and judging the angels. It says, you made him a little lower than the angels, verse 7. You crowned him with glory and honor. You set him over the works of your hands, You've put all things in subjection under his feet. For in all, that he put all subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. And then here's the key. But now we don't see all these things put under him. So the order of God is that the angelic realm is dynamic and amazing. And man has been created a little lower than the angels. But in the redemptive purposes of God, men are going to rule angels. You and I are going to rule and judge angels in this world. And in God's plan, he put all things in subjection to man. And yet today we don't see that, do we? So how, how, did, that, how, did, how did that happen? How, how is it possible that God put everything under subjection to man, but then today we don't see that? 
Today we don't see this whole world and the whole world under the subjection to man, under the righteousness. What happened? Do you know what happened between those two things? It's one word. Anybody want to yell it out? Sin. Sin happened. See, Adam and Eve were created by God, man and woman, put in a garden, a pristine environment, and for a time, we don't know how long, the Bible doesn't say, but for a time, they lived with everything in subjection to them. Everything was in subjection. It was exactly as God intended. And they enjoyed a sweet relationship with God, and the animals, and the plant life, and the world was subjection to them, and they made a bad decision. They decided to rebel and sin against God. They decided to take things into their own hands. And that which was forbidden to them, they chose of their own free will to take that which was forbidden. And Adam was held responsible for his free will decision to sin against God. And in that moment of sin, in that moment of rebellion, in that moment of failure, the authority of this world was given over to the devil. That is the source of all pain and suffering in this world. I believe this is a word from God for some of you that may have even walked into this room extremely mad at God over the circumstances of your life. You're just mad at God because this happened and it hurts and you lost a loved one and you're upset and something happened at work, and your marriage isn't what you want it to be, and your kids might be going sideways, and so one of your responses is, it's God's fault. It's not God's fault. It's not God's fault. The source of your pain is sin. It's sin's fault. Every issue related to pain, suffering, evil, and death comes from sin. And God is your rescuer, not your enemy. You see, God, he gave dominion of this world to man. And for a time, they enjoyed dominion. But they willingly gave it up. They yielded dominion to the devil. Why is there pain? Why are there wars? Why is there disease? Why is our bodies falling apart? Why does evil exist? Because of the devil orchestrating the darkness of this world. This is where I want you to get your Bibles and turn with me because I want you to see these verses in your Bible. And I want you to mark a few things to understand the world in which we live. The idea to come out of the world and be ye separate is not just because a pastor says so. And it's not just because of a system of theology. And it's not because just because of a church or a church life or now you're a religious person or just because you're a Christian. No, you've got to understand that this world system has a direction. It has a motive. It it has a current. And the current and course of this world is away from and against God. And so any wise person would look at the way the world is going and say, I don't want to go that way. It doesn't reflect the love that I have for my God. It doesn't reflect the sacrificial love of Jesus Christ. I don't want to mess around with it. I don't want to meddle in it. I want to know that I'm in this world, but I don't want to be of this world. And what happens is, 
is you just kind of get caught up in the world, and when someone comes to talk to you about, you know, that's a compromise, or that's a sin, it's so easy to come back with this response of, man, don't tell me what to do. Who are you to judge me? Listen, if someone is making a righteous judgment in your life, you and I would do well to listen to it and to heed it, because this world is not being operated by God, except that God in his sovereignty is able to redeem even the evil of this world for his good. No, instead, the world is being orchestrated. This world system is being orchestrated by the devil. Ephesians chapter 2, if you turn there with me in verse 1, Ephesians chapter 2, notice what the Bible says. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, how? According to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. This world has a course, a direction, a current that's being orchestrated by the prince of the power of the air, according to the sons of disobedience. The world system is disobedient toward the things of God. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. It says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So far we, we learn disobedience, we learn wickedness, there's darkness in this age. Turn over to John chapter 8, Jesus speaking. These are pretty heavy words that Jesus has to speak. In John chapter 8, pick up in verse 44. Imagine yourself hearing this from Jesus himself, speaking to you, looking you in the eye, and he says, you are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you'd want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he's a liar and the father of it. So far, we're learning what the world is, orchestrated by the devil. The, the world is filled with murders and lies and wickedness and darkness. The world is not living. This system, this culture is not living according to the ways of God. Again, you can jot it down. John chapter 12, John chapter 14, John chapter 16. Three times, Jesus calls the devil the ruler of this world. Turn over to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, verse 19. This world system that we're in is being orchestrated by the devil himself. 1 John 5, verse 19. We know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And one more, Revelation chapter 12. Turn all the way to the end, verse 9. Revelation 12, verse 9. So the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to earth, and the angels were cast out with him. This world system, the only way that you would not come to the same conclusion of the Bible as it relates to this world is if you refuse to acknowledge the truth 
at everywhere we turn in this world, it is dark and dreary and difficult and getting darker. Uh, and I challenged everyone last night, I, I didn't look this morning, but I challenged everyone last night, go ahead and open up your phone and look up Fox 31 or one of the news sites and go through the headlines and see just exactly what's been happening in our world in the last 24 hours. And what will you find? Murder, thievery, deceit, difficulty. Oh, and there's that one happy news story. And usually the happy news stories in our town is, hey, guess what? Someone went up and saved a cat from the top of a tree. That's not good news. Leave the cat up there. Nobody wants a cat down from the tree. But that's how the world equates good news. You know what would be a good news story on Fox 31? Baby saved in the womb. That's God's standard. Not cat saved from the tree. Leave the cat up there. You see, even the good news stories don't really reflect the morality and righteousness of God. Sometimes they do. I do give that. Sometimes on occasion, somebody doing something in the name of Jesus Christ is given some kind of notoriety in our culture, but not much. They would have to be redoing the story over and over again just to contain the kind of good news that exists in this room of all the things that you do throughout the week. Can you imagine story number one, all the prayer warriors in here. Story number two, how you helped your neighbor. Story number three, I mean on and on, how you, were, you had the chance to steal from work but you didn't and you actually even turned in and said the system's broken, anybody. I mean on and on. It, there would not be enough newspaper, there would not be enough space on the internet truly to reflect the good news stories of the righteousness and the holiness of God through his church that is shining the light of the gospel in a very dark world. But listen, church, listen. Hear me out. Compromise is more than just a little decision. When you choose to compromise, you choose the way of the world and its system. And if you choose the way of the world and its system, then you are cooperating with the devil himself. Lies and murders. You know, you listen to Jesus, you go, well, I'm not a murderer, and for that I'm grateful. But you'll recall in another time that Jesus said murder is a lot more than the act. Jesus equated murder with hating someone in your heart. And on that criteria alone, most, if not all of us today, are guilty of such things. Cooperating with the sway of this world and the way the enemy wants to use this system to destroy people from all eternity. Listen, God has given man free choice. A real, true ability to make a decision for right and wrong. Unbelievers have it and believers have it. And when man chooses to exercise his free will, he can choose to do evil. She can choose to have evil rule over her. And if that's what man wants, God has given man the choice. You can choose bondage today. You can choose to place yourself in a, in a position of weakness, in a position of evil, because Satan rules right now. And of course, it's becoming more obvious every single day as we see the corruption that's in the world. I just, I look to the, the things that, that we as pastors, we deal with on a daily basis in ministering to the flock of God and reminding people of the truths of the Bible and, 
helping people get through the difficulties of their life because of their bad decisions. You can't trust the morality of this world because the morality of this world always changes, doesn't it? A lot of times the morality and the legal system of this world changes depending on who's in authority and who's been voted into office. And they don't always make righteous decisions. Many times those that are, are ruling over us in our governmental systems, they make decisions based on popular opinion. They make decisions based on what's most expedient in the moment. They make decisions, quite frankly, most of, most of the time because of the almighty dollar and what's going to bring in the most money. And you know, we're suffering right now, and we're misusing funds, and we need more tax money. What do you think we should do? Hey, why don't we make marijuana legal? That's a great idea. Let's make marijuana legal. We'll have all the taxes that we can have in, and we're not going to have to really worry about the kind of effect it's going to have on society because we'll be having this tax money come in. But if they were to open the Bible it would be pretty clear that it's not God's will for us to be under the influence of any substance, but rather it's God's will for men and women to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's, been, it's for God, for a, for a righteous country and righteous leaders to follow the will of God, to seek God. And so some have made, as believers, some have made the decision to dabble in this area because now it's legal. Now it's legal. And now because your criteria has been lowered to whatever society says, you've just jumped right into the darkness of the world. You're under the sway of the wicked one now. Because anyone will tell you, especially those that have been destroyed by drugs or alcohol, they will tell you that it's never enough. It's never enough. A joint will get you through one week, but next week you're going to have to have two because it doesn't have the same effect. Your body adjusts physiologically to the effects of alcohol and drugs. So a, a couple beers isn't going to be enough next week. You're going to need four, and then you're going to need six. And before you know it, some of you drink yourself into oblivion. Oh, I know not everyone, but some. And so then the pot, ha then the, you have the joint, then the two, and then the three, but then that gets super expensive. And you don't have the resources, so you either start to, to, to rip people off and get into a different lifestyle in order to keep your habit going, or you shift and you go, no longer do I, no longer do I need marijuana. I think I need something that lasts a little bit longer, and I can bring back the money that I'm spending. And so now you jump into another drug, into another drug, till finally it ends with something like heroin. And by, by, by those of you that have ever had that kind of direction in life, you find that heroin never satisfies you, and now what do we see in our culture today? What do we see in our society today? Epidemic heroin and opioid overdoses and losses of life. Entire communities are being destroyed by little decisions of our culture that says, it's okay. It's not God's will for you to be high and completely out of, out of it, your life but rather to deal with life as it is in truth and righteousness and ultimately in the strength of God for you as believers, that actually God uses the difficulties of life to get people's attention that they might turn to him. God uses the hurts and the pains of in this life as tools so that when you are looking for help, you look to the, your creator for help and not to what's going... See, I could... I could 
I could walk through every little thing of compromise in the world today and show you that you're just jumping into the course of this world. It's darkness, it's wickedness, even though it doesn't seem like that in the beginning. And so what happens, what happens in a time like this, whether you're here in Colorado or you're listening in another state somewhere, what happens is, oh, that's just a pastor. It's just a pastor with the Bible. That's just a pastor being all judgmental and pounding his pulpit. I didn't pound my pulpit one time. <laughs> and I do have a Bible, and I'm certainly not standing in judgment for you. I actually have a I actually, if you didn't know, I have a background where I know of which I speak. Destroying my life, hurting the people that love me, causing great chaos in this world. I lived a lot of my early life just that way, apart from God, resistant to God, living this. I, I'm, I know of what I speak, not only personally, practically, but also in the ministry because so many have a testimony of testing this world and the way the world defines things and the way the world wants to go for the sake of popularity and we just happen to live in a culture that the loudest voices get the most attention but let me just say the loudest voices aren't always right they don't always reflect God and so don't just dismiss what you're learning today because you heard it in a church or you heard it on a Christian radio station or a pastor's telling you, let me just take off my pastor hat and say, I'm your friend. And if that's the relationship we had was just friendship, I tell you the same thing. Why? Because I have the word of God. I have the Holy Spirit. And I'm willing, I'm willing to lay my life down for the sake of telling you the truth. Because the culture is so strong. The culture's current and the way that things are going is so strong. It's so dynamic and, and huge that it actually has the power to change the course of churches and to change the course of pulpits and to change the course of churches' leaders so that they accommodate themselves to the culture just for the sake of filling a room. And unfortunately, there are churches today well, you'll go in the doors and leave out the doors without ever hearing of the reality of sin in your life. The warning and the exhortation that if there isn't a major change in your life, that major change being repentance, if there's not a major change in your life, it is not going to end well. It's not going to end well by experience. It's not going to end well by what the Bible says. Because the only hope of humankind, the only hope of mankind, the only hope of you and me is Jesus Christ. He's the only hope that he came and gave his life for you. That's what the Bible says. Look, I know we don't yet see all things put under him, verse 7 excuse me, verse 8. We don't yet see them all, but verse 9, but we see Jesus. He is the key to everything. He's the power for you not to choose to do evil. He's the one that will come and establish his kingdom. And at that point, all things will be put in subjection to him. Satan will be bound and cast to the abuso. And Jesus will reign over the earth, the glorious kingdom of God, ruling and reigning. It's not yet so, but it will be. He says, 
we see Jesus made a little lower than the angels. Imagine that. Jesus Christ, God in human flesh, was made a little lower than the angels. Why? For the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death. What does your Bible say? For everyone. Away with this theology and this teaching that Jesus Christ only died for a very small group of people and everyone else is going to hell. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that Jesus Christ tasted death for everyone. Everyone can be saved. Anyone hearing my voice today, if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. He tasted death for everyone, even though not everyone takes him up on his offer. Notice the next verse in verse 10. For it was fitting for him for whom all things, by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory. Not everyone is saved, but Jesus died for everyone. His atonement is not limited. It is unlimited and only experienced by those that repent of their sins. That could be you today. The door is wide open for you to repent of your sins, to ask Jesus Christ to forgive you. The door is wide open for you to take your choices and to choose to follow Jesus Christ. It would be as if Jesus was here today walking through the aisles, looking you in the eye and say, you come follow me, you come follow me, you come follow me. And the only right response to that is yes. Yes, Jesus, you came and suffered death. Now verse nine, if you'd like to write in your Bibles, you can just write next to it. This is another teaching on the incarnation of God or that God became man. You could also write next to it Philippians chapter two, beginning in verse five. You can also write next to it John chapter one, verse 14. Remember what John said? That the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. God became man. Jesus possessed two natures. He was God, deity, and also man taking on the form of a servant, the eternal son of God taking on humanity. Therefore, he became lower than the angels. Why? To save you. What great humility. This is the verse that we normally study around Christmas in Matthew chapter one, verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. He not only had to be man, but he also had to be God. Because he was God, his death and blood has an infinite value. This is one of the most fundamental doctrines in all the Bible, one that we will never waver on, God in human flesh. So we don't yet see things in subjection to Jesus Christ because Satan is still ruling over this world, which is all the more reason to be in prayer and all the more reason to be in the Word. It's not because you were told. It's not because it's some legalistic thing. The way to go against the current of this world is to be men and women of the Word, men and women of prayer, to live your life in relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, Adam and Eve, in their distance from God, they chose the wrong thing, and that's exactly what's going to happen to you. In your distance from God, you will choose the wrong thing. That's why we need to take the most earnest heed 
to do what we hear so that we what? Don't drift away. So we don't neglect our salvation because what you neglect will suffer damage. You see, the devil's still under, still ruling this world. He's known as the prince of the power of the air, which reminds me, you know, when we were launching off and going into radio and God allowed us to have Grace FM and to take responsibility for Grace FM, to purchase it as a gift to our city, to minister the gospel to our city 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We experience the craziest, and still to this day, the craziest spiritual warfare that you can imagine. And we're always discovering a new day, a new week, of the weird, crazy spiritual warfare that the prince of the power of the air thinks he owns. He thinks he owns the air. He thinks he owns the airwaves. He, he thinks he has, and he has a pretty good job of having the airwaves, but not so much. Not so much on that little band that's under our authority and under, that has been entrusted to us. That little band on 89.7 up here, 101.7 down in the springs, that little band that little section where people are hitting scan and, and drop on our station, what are they going to get? The Word of God. They're going to get the Word of God in music or they're going to get the Word of God in some guy teaching it, but they're going to get the Word of God. And when they get the Word of God, it's the Word of God that goes deep down into your heart and affects change, doesn't it? Changes your mind, changes your heart, changes your perspective. It brings you into a place where even your emotions are subject to the Word of God. But man, he thinks he's the prince. He's a squatter. The devil's a squatter, man. He's not going to have this authority forever. Why? Because we see Jesus and there's day coming where all authority, everything will be put in subjection to Jesus Christ. There's a day coming. There's a day coming. Even in the great tribulation period, you know, the devil's going to give the Antichrist when he comes on the scene, he's going to give him that authority. Remember that time when Jesus was taken out in the wilderness to, to be tempted by the devil and the devil took him up to see this high place and he said, I show you, I'm going to paraphrase it. I'm going to he showed Jesus all the kingdoms and he says, I'll give this to you if you bow down to me. Jesus didn't argue with him. He just resisted him with the word of God. He said, there's no way I'm bowing down to you because Jesus knows there's a day coming when that all the authority will be restored when the purpose and the plan and all of redemptive history will come to an end, when the fullness of the Gentiles comes in, when the second coming of Jesus Christ at the end of the great tribulation period where he establishes forever his righteous rule. But right now, you and I can experience his righteous rule by our personal obedience. As Jesus said, the kingdom of God is inside of us. And every time you live in obedience to God, you are living by the kingdom principles. You are living with Jesus as your king, his rightful place in your life. And you get to get a taste of what it's going to be like when you're living in the power of the Holy Spirit. So don't drift away, church. Don't neglect your salvation. Stay strong by faith, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord and his soon return. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, it says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. 
Keep your eyes up. Look up because your redemption draws near. Stay close and stay strong and stay obedient. And Father, we ask that you would make these truths come alive in our hearts today, that you would have your way in us, God. We don't want to drift away. We truly don't want to neglect our salvation, but I know in a group this size, I know that those listening on the radio, I know the breadth of the message going out, that there is compromise among us. Unneeded, unnecessary. I don't know, God, if for the very first time someone learned today that compromise is yielding themselves to the sway of the wicked one. Why would we want to do that? Why would we choose to do that? Why would we want to participate in the wickedness of this world, in the darkness of this world, in the, 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 the ugliness behind the facade? But rather, Lord, empower us to live our lives in a way that honor you and glorify you. Not to try to follow some pastor's teaching. Not to follow some doctrine of a church. But rather, Lord, to live out our relationship with you as it reflects in your holy and grand purpose of sending your son Jesus Christ into the world to save us. That we're new creations in Christ. Old things have passed away. We don't want to get involved in those old things. Instead, all things have been made new. And if you're here today, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, today is that day. Now is the time of salvation. That God indeed has gotten your attention. He, he has revealed himself to you. God became a man and, and he died a horrific death. Why? For you. So that your life would be put into a right relationship with him. So that you would confess your sins, repent of them, and ask Jesus to forgive you. That if you would confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Because it's with your heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And so if you're here today, you'd say, Ed, that's me. That's my life. I need to get my life right with God. I need to confess my sin. and I want to be right with my creator. Because one of the things we didn't look at was in that segment when it says, what is man? You know, that's usually where things start. What is man? What is man? But you know, the psalm actually start is, starts with who is the Lord? Because life needs to start with your creator. Life doesn't start and end, begin and end with you. Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. So if you're here today, you'd say, Ed, I need and I want to get my life right with God. Would you just stand to your feet? I want to pray with you. Give you this open invitation so you can openly acknowledge God in your life. God bless you in the back. That today would be the day and it's a glorious, it's a high and holy moment where you finally come to your senses and realize it's not God's fault. It's your own sin. It's my sin. The Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And God is inviting you into relationship with him today. Is there anyone else that would say, that's me? Respond. Let God do work in your life. Finally, give up and surrender. Asking God to forgive you of your sins. Might be downstairs or out on the radio and we don't see you and that's okay. It doesn't matter. 
It's not the standing and not the walking and not the raising of the hand that's saved. None of that matters. Except to say that, man, when you make a public commitment, you realize that this is a public life. And so if you respond and pray with me, would you, you can just say, you can talk to God directly. You can say, God, I admit that I've sinned against you. And I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I believe you sent Jesus Christ to live for me, to die for me. And I believe Jesus rose again from the dead to forgive me and save my soul. God, I'm asking you to help me to turn away from my sinful past and to turn my life towards you. And I dedicate myself to following you from this day forward. And Father, anyone, anywhere that would pray, would ask you to forgive them, I know anyone that comes to you, you will not cast them away. And for those that responded today, those that have come to you, God, I pray it's real and genuine. So grateful you tasted death for everyone. And I'm grateful to see many accept that offer. So encourage us, Lord. Keep us, keep us strong. Keep us safe. God, keep us in a place of usability that we would not dabble in those things that are compromising, those things that even though the world might say it's okay, it's not okay according to you, our designer, and that we might find our refuge and our strength in you. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.